Welcome everyone to the Retail Corner Podcast from Proxima 360. The purpose of our podcast is to bring a relaxed and educational environment to discuss the current retail landscape, best of breed products, and retail business best practices. You will always find us talking with business users, technical resources, and retail experts on how they are and where they are headed. to the Retail Corner podcast, and we have one more exciting episode. Today, we are joined by Anne Stevenson. Anne has been a business director at Kraft Foods. Then she went on to do her own consulting for about five years, and then she became one of the co-founders for Explorer Research. Anne, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me on the show. No, it's our pleasure. Thank you so much for coming. And I was reading a little bit about your story and how you got started and that you really used to love like the internal aspect of marketing, right? I think what the, the perception that we all have of marketing, right? Looking at campaigns, running campaigns, seeing the impact of the campaigns. But then I see slowly you started shifting into insights, right? And, and you became a lot more joyful of that part of marketing. And maybe if you can tell us before and foremost, What's the difference between both and what really led you into going more into insights and looking at the customer's uh, behavior? Yeah, in terms of kind of my, my background, it was more of a traditional consumer goods marketing role, which I would define more as almost general management. So um, in my role, I would manage a department of other marketers and we would execute a lot of advertising or promotional type work. We would also be responsible in terms of the plant, the plants and the operations of the business. But really, it was really just trying to meet your business objectives and put in place the strategies and action plans to grow the business. And I found over time, one of the things that I loved was actually digging into the research that we had on a business and really understanding what are those insights that we can then use to drive growth for the business. And I found that was really a personal passion. And a lot of that translated into advertising work that I would do. So I segued from managing the cereal business to actually running all of craft advertising at one point because I just found a natural knack for being able to understand what that insight was. Um, And then when I moved on in terms of becoming an entrepreneur, One of the things we found was from an insight standpoint, there was actually not that many people really understanding the shopper space. So it was an opportunity for us to really sort of build up a company and an expertise around shopper. And I think one of the things that I really like about shopper is it's actually pretty complex. Um, When I think back to more consumer work or consumer positioning type work or even innovations, it's a lot more straightforward. I find with shopper, you're actually triangulating across a lot of different um, pieces of information to really understand what is that insight and what's that insight that's going to really drive shopper behavior. Um, Cause it's a lot more complex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so when we talk about like insights, right? I think a lot of times, a lot of retailers try to look at those insights and they try to pull reports and they try to look at the data but I think they always get pushed back right into the basics of it, right? And not really trying to forecast what will come out of those insights, right? It's more of a reactionary um, aspect that I see with a lot of retailers that we engage with. 
So what really influences the, the consumer behavior in your opinion, right? Like going forward, how you, can you forecast based on all that history that most retailers have, right? How can they forecast how that consumer will behave in times to come? Yeah, so sort of looking um, back is, is important to understand sort of what have we seen in terms of um, behavior, but it's also important to look at trends and what's really happening. And we think about the last few years. I mean, the change has just been incredible. Yes. Um, so there's so many factors that can affect uh, consumer behavior that's situational. And think about the situation we've all been in, psychological, environmental. There's just so many different factors that can really shape behavior. So it's super important to understand what are some of these trends. And you think about uh, well-being as a focal point for consumers. I mean, that became really very much um, a hot topic during the pandemic in terms of this increased focus. And 70% of consumers say that they're going to continue to focus on their health and well-being going forward. It might have been one of the, the better things that came out of the pandemic. <laughs> really, yeah, so absolutely kind of understanding what are these trends is, is really important to then be able to say, well, how has that changed amongst my consumer base? How do I look at them differently from you know, a segmentation, which is a traditional type of research approach. So has this changed? What are the, what are the trends? And, and am I meeting these needs as well as my competitors? How do I innovate differently and better in terms of new products or services when I really understand these trends and the changing dynamic, dynamics amongst consumers as well as shoppers? And when we talk about trends, uh, from all the experience that you have, what is usually like a, the, the basic timeline of a trend, right? I know they always vary depending on what, what's going on, like you very well mentioned, but on average, uh, a retailer should be expecting to, to focus on this, innovate on this for what would you say is the average time frame to then start the cycle all over again? Well, you know, things are changing so fast that I'm not even sure I can say what's an average time frame. So definitely a fad is something that's sort of in and out and a trend is longer term. And we used to say trends are, you know, 10 years plus, but I think, you know, trends may be coming a lot faster than we've seen. We just look at the change and from a retail standpoint, what's happened over the last few years, it's phenomenal. And really, you know, it's kind of hats off to retailers in terms of how they had to adapt and the changes they put in place. And, you know, there's certainly more changes ahead in terms of, uh, you know, the environment we're, we're living in today. Yeah, no, absolutely. As you very well mentioned, I, th I think a lot of retailers started going digital, right? Very, very strongly. And yeah. ironically, I see them popping all over the place again, right? It's like brick and border is getting back into fashion or for some reason, you know? Uh, and e-commerce is still very, very strong, but I think they're looking at supply chain because now they're trying to see all the return merchandise, right? The other aspect of the e-commerce business that I don't think anybody's really paying attention to. And now they're trying to see how they can minimize cost in that area, right? So 100%. it's- Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that's, uh, that's, that's huge in terms of the amount of return. So I think that's a behavior where people uh, would order multiple sizes or multiple um, items when they're only looking for one thing and then they return. So um, we're, we're seeing a lot of where that even goes. And I know there's been studies tracking and unfortunately it's, you know, it ends up in a lot of landfills, which is, is not good. So. Yeah, no, 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 it definitely isn't. And what do you think um, today, right? Going forward, what do you foresee as, as the existing, you know, current shopper consumer trends and how permanent do you think these trends are going to be? 
Yeah, well, I think a lot of these trends will be pretty permanent. And as you mentioned about sort of bricks and mortars, I think one thing that's really important to remember is it's still 84% of retail. It's still big. So it's here mm -hmm. to stay. So I know there's been a lot of hype around e-com and it was phenomenal growth in terms of e-commerce. So we're seeing that level out in terms of e-com and bricks and mortar, I think will will certainly continue to evolve, but it's still super important in terms of the total retail landscape. And I think that's where we're going to see a lot of evolution in terms of how our physical store is going to remain relevant in terms of some of the massive changes and trends that we've seen. So some of the things retailers have done really well is adapting technology. So we all learned how to use a QR code during the pandemic. That was the thing that came out of this. Yeah, whether you wanted to or not. Yeah. 100%. I was at a conference out last week and uh, you know we had QR codes and not business cards anymore. I mean, I, I couldn't even find my business cards, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. You know, but I have to say, I miss the menus at the restaurants, you know? I do, yeah. I don't know what it is about holding a menu in your hand, but it makes such a big difference, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, it really does. So uh, yeah, I don't know if menus will ever come back or we'll always be looking at them on our phone, but uh, yeah, so, um, so retailers are using QR codes. Uh, mobile phone in terms of really integrating that into the bricks and mortar experience. Um, you know, there's there's just a lot of changes. So they really adopted in terms of understanding how to sort of bridge that gap between online and in-store experiences. So in terms of the change um, around um, the way retailers delivered experiences with curbside, curbside pickup, by online pickup, direct shipping, um, there's just phenomenal change that they underwent over the last few years. So, yeah, no, there's there's a plethora now of options for the consumer, right? Yeah, anything you well, you can have your cake and eat it literally for every retail company. The, 100%. I wanted to ask you talking about that. Like, I feel like from a technology standpoint, everything is so customized and it's it's so well catered to the consumer. But I feel all over the place, right? Like customer service as its own has been going down so much, you know, why, why do you feel that is happening? And do you think that's going to continue to decrease or at some point are we going to, I mean, I remember shopping, you know, not too long ago, 10, 15 years ago, and it was an experience, right? People were like happy that you were coming in the store and it was, it was a full experience. And now it's like, they're doing you a favor, right? It's like, there's a machine or there's a QR code, go interact with it and leave me alone. I'm stalking or I'm doing whatever I'm doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, you're you're not wrong uh, in terms of. Uh, I think a lot of it is driven by labor sh shortages, um, and retail is a sector that's really hurting in terms of trying to attract and immense staffing shortages. So over the holiday period, I think um, it's we're going to see a, a, a decline in services. Uh, there just isn't the manpower to sort of service. Uh, what we need from a retail standpoint, but retailers are adopting through use of technology in terms of how do I restock? How do I um, really manage a lot of that, that backend piece? Um, there's definitely so many things happening from a labor standpoint, whether it's quiet quitting, whether um, it's, you know, demands for increased salaries and benefits. And that may be a good thing in terms of the retail sector and how employees typically have been compensated. So that may be a good thing overall, um, but there's you know definitely 
an interesting thing where you have a sector that's known for service and um, going over and above, and then you have a workforce potentially that is resistant to that. So no, I'm on my lunch break, or you know, I want my yeah. Lunch break. <laughs> I, I am checking a text right now. Okay, please stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and I think that whole goes hand in hand. Also, I'm sure the biggest problem we're all facing, right? I mean, the biggest inflation increase, right, in the past forty years, right. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the future of retail with that, right? Because, I mean, so many retailers are hurting. And I think it's just been like a tsunami, right? Of, of It was the pandemic. And then now the inflation. And it's been one thing after the other that's been really hitting the retail sector so much, you know? Yeah, it's it's everyone is feeling the effect of inflation these days. If we look at, um, so we saw phenomenal growth in retail during the pandemic. A lot of that was driven by um, subsidies and government spending. So retail overall was up 32%. It was a phenomenal increase. However, if we look at the latest data over the last couple of quarters, it's 9%. So basically it's probably being driven by inflation. Mm-hmm. So you know, retailers are not really uh, experiencing gains. So we're starting to really see the pain uh, in terms of inflation. And what we're seeing is a very much a fragmented consumer picture. So you have uh, more affluent consumers who are continuing to spend and then lower income consumers who are making extremely tough trade-offs. So I've heard this referred to as the bifurcation of, of consumer spending, but it's very much a fragmented consumer picture in terms of what we're seeing from a spending standpoint. So you can see this in certain sectors like healthcare, apparel, and consumer electronics. They're Mm -hmm. not doing very well right now. Um, And Walmart even scaled back their estimates in terms of sporting goods um, and non-essentials to the tune of about $17 billion. So what we're seeing is a lot of um, differences by channel. Uh, with inflation, we'll continue to see channel shifting. Uh, another interesting thing, too, is we've all experienced the out-of-stocks, so empty shelves. But yes. it's not just out-of-stocks and understocks. We have overstock in some channels. So if we look at inventories in department stores right now, they're actually up in terms of their inventory holding is about 17% versus a year ago. So we're seeing these really interesting dynamics by channel, where we have understocks in some, overstocks in other, um, it's it's really kind of hard to get a hold on this because it's shifting so quickly. And some of the things that would seem almost counterintuitive. So if we look at um, outlet stores mm-hmm. for a bargain, sales are down. Well, that's because gas prices are so high. I'm not going to drive, um, you know, forty five minutes to an hour. Yeah, yeah, to go to an outlet store. Um, as gas prices come down, which we're recently seeing, we may see a resurgence in some of these channels where shoppers are making trade-offs. So it's just changing very dynamically and, and very quickly in terms of channels that, sh- that consumers are shopping at, um, where they're cutting back. Um, but you know what? It's very real and everyone is really feeling the pain in terms of this inflationary time right now. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's been very tough. Do you think once gas prices come down, because I think that's probably one of the first things that's going to settle, right? As inflation comes to some sort of plateau, hopefully. Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very hopefully. But as it does, do you think that's going to drive that outlet market? Like once that settles, do you think more people are going to shift towards the outlets rather than go pay regular retail price? 
Absolutely. So I think I think that'll help with outlet malls. I think that'll help with discount channel. Um, it'll help with mass as well in terms of um, stores that uh, you know you need to drive to. So we're going to sort of see this continued channel dynamics and and shifting. Okay. And I think mass is is definitely a factor in that. Yeah, and I almost feel like there's because I've noticed there's a lot, uh, usually the outlet malls, right? To your point, they're always 45 minutes an hour if you're lucky enough to live close to one, right? Hmm. Uh, otherwise, it's a longer drive. But I've seen a lot of like the old malls that have lost a lot of retailers getting converted into outlet malls, right? With, within right. the cities. Do you think that's some sort of like preparation or just the same um, tenants, uh, you know, trying to find a way out of the current industry or do you think that's going to be like a standard going forward that's interesting and probably a little bit hard to predict but i think it would make sense actually to have more urban locations so you know even uh, mass stores have smaller footprints which are more urban so i could see sort of an outlet format where it would be uh, more of an urban location where you'd have the same stores um, similar discounted merchandise that may um, be quite appealing to urban shoppers who don't have the luxury of either a vehicle or um, the time or money to drive to an outlet location. Yeah, no, no, that's very, very interesting. And so going back to, of course, you know, the company you co-founded, Explore Research, how are you guys using technology, right? Such as VR and methodology to learn more about the shopper insights? Yeah, so VR is something that we've really embraced. And I think it's really timely right now. Uh, our VR business is, is booming because a lot of retailers as well as manufacturers, they're looking for solutions. So how can they create a different retail experience? And what VR allows our clients to do is to actually build out uh, multiple different environments. So understanding how they maybe design out a store or set up a section. And versus either building out test stores or building something out in a test center, with VR, push of a button, you can change up the environment. So it really allows for um, sort of early stage learning, iterative testing to really understand what's going to make an impact in terms of retail design. And, you know, a lot of retailers are going to be changing up their retail design, even just supply chain issues where we're going to see limited assortment. So how do you manage that? How do you merchandise it? How do you really sort of handle um, these different um, issues, whether they're longer term or more temporary, we can really simulate different scenarios and give them solutions really quickly. The other thing that's really interesting is we, uh, we do virtual real reality testing either online or in person, which is headset based. And within both of our platforms, uh, we capture eye tracking. So you can really get a sense of what are people looking at? What are they engaging with, at with in an environment, we capture where they're moving, where they're stopping, the items that they browse. And all this is instantly dashboarded in terms of instant results. So um, it's a great tool to be able to quickly test, learn, revise, um, capture data immediately, and then sort of create new simulations. Wow. Well, that sounds phenomenal. And it sounds extremely cost effective. It is. When you look at versus the expense of physically building out, um, it becomes extremely efficient in terms of looking at different options. So clients use it for how do I actually set up a shelf such as planogram work. Retailers mm -hmm. come to us in terms of 
how do I reinvent, say, the front end of the store or a more higher involvement section where I can really understand how do I merchandise, what types of signage should I put in place, how wide should the aisles be, all kinds of questions we can really look at and then measure the behavioral impact. So what happens in terms of purchases, what happens in terms of uh, length of shopping trip, what happens in terms of viewing patterns within wow. that environment. So you can really simulate these environments and um, get a real read in terms of how is this going to impact and shape shopper behavior going forward. Wow, that sounds phenomenal. That sounds so amazing because it's almost like a little Disneyland, right? Where you can have all mm -hmm. your creative and innovative ideas, right? For your, for your retail store and try them out, especially as we were talking at the beginning. Right now, your brick and border space has to shine like nothing else, right? And it has to be so unique and really offer an experience factor to it. And, and using VR and what you guys are doing is definitely the route to, to make that happen, right? And then to try all these different ideas and see what will stick the best with your merchandise and with your target audience as a retailer. A hundred percent. And you can learn what's more appealing by different target groups. So like any research, you can... Um, test it with different groups of people and really understand what's going to work best for you based on who your target is. Wow. Well, everybody that you guys are listening, I definitely recommend check out Explore Research. You know, this thing about the VR, it's just phenomenal. Uh, and, and one last question I want to ask, I ask all of our guests all the time. If you had one piece of advice, especially as you've been internal and you've shifted to an entrepreneur and you founded a company and you've had success, what would be the, la the one piece of advice that you would give to all of our listeners out there that are maybe going through that shift of internal into entrepreneur that I think a lot of people have been pushed into, right? Having to do, uh, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give to them? I think the one thing I would do is sort of figure out what it is for you, like what, what your passion is. And I think I was super lucky in terms of working in a marketing role. And then I could really understand how much I really enjoyed consumer and shopper behavior and understanding insight. So figure out what that passion is, because um, if you're starting a business, it really is pretty all encompassing. So you really want to do something that you love. And then that translates through to the work you do, to your customers, and then ultimately to the culture that you build in the organization that you're creating. Thank you so much, Anne, for your time. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to hearing more from you guys in the future. And have a wonderful, wonderful day. You too. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, please email us at podcast at retailcorner.live or visit our website, retailcorner.live. Looking forward to having you as our guest on our podcast. And thank you so much for listening.